Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. About 2,000 years ago, if you know the story, the women go to the tomb to put perfume on Jesus' dead body so it won't stink. They get there and get the surprise of their life. The angel says, He is risen. Go quickly and tell the disciples. <laughs> That's going to be our whole sermon today. We're going to talk about those four words. Go quickly and tell tell. So let us take a moment, let's pray first. Father, we pray that each of us will now just not live life as normal, but we will go quickly and tell our families, our friends, our co-workers the most important news on our planet. So Lord, speak to us about how we can go quickly and tell. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The angel says to the women, go quickly and tell. First word, go. <clears throat> the word go means every Christian is sent. In John chapter 20, after he rose from the dead, he finally appears to the disciples who at that point believe. And he says, disciples, as the Father has sent me, so now I send you. Every Christian is sent into the world to tell people about Christ. The question is, will you go or will you sit on it? <laughs> Story goes, I think it was China. Uh, a missionary it goes to a village in China and preaches the gospel and people convert. And one Chinaman is so excited and he said, this is so wonderful that, that God became a man, died for our sins and rose from the dead. When did the Lord Jesus die for us? And the missionary said, about 2,000 years ago. And the Chinaman says, what? And you're just now telling us? I wish my father could have heard this. I wish my grandfather could have heard this. And you're just now bringing us this message? <laughs> the word go means we need to get out there. S.D. Gordon wrote a fictional story of what happened after Jesus returned to heaven. Now, this is not in the Bible. It's a fictional story. But according to this story, Jesus goes back to heaven after the resurrection and the archangel Gabriel meets him and says, Oh Lord, we watched from heaven. It was so glorious to see you die for the sins of the whole world and rise again. Now, how are you going to get that message out to the planet down there? And Jesus said, I've trained a little group of men and I'm trusting them to carry out my plans. And Gabriel says, but what if they don't do it? What's your backup plan? What happens if they don't go out and, and, and preach the gospel? And Jesus said, I have no other plans. I'm counting on them. Do you know that if you're at, let's say you're in high school, Jesus is counting on you to take Christ to your high school. If you're in a retirement village, 
Jesus is counting on you to tell elderly people about him so they can spend the right place, uh, eternity in the right place. Every Christian is sent. That's what the word go means. Second word, go quickly. That means our message is urgent. The world is dying and going to hell, and there is no more important message on earth than the Christian gospel. I'm going to do a funeral tomorrow, and often at funerals I tell this story. I was about to preach one morning, and uh, our sound man comes up to me and he says, Tom, how long is eternity? And I said, forever. And he said, um, eternity is this huge mountain made out of solid diamond, the hardest substance on earth. Once every hundred years, a little bird flies by, rubs its beak once on the top of the mountain, flies away. Hundred years later, the bird comes back, rubs its little beak once on the top of the mountain, flies away. Hundred years later, it comes back, rubs its beak. When that huge, solid diamond mountain is worn all the way down to nothing, the first day of eternity has passed have you ever thought of that? When you die, according to the Bible, you go to heaven for all eternity or you go to hell for all eternity. Nothing is more important than the message we have. That's why the angel says, go quickly. This is the most urgent message on earth. Uh, my dad was a Catholic. My mom was a Lutheran. We were all baptized Catholics and raised Lutheran. I think that was mom and dad's agreement. We never talked about it. But dad went to church every Sunday to the Catholic church. We all went Lutheran every Sunday. When I was 19 years old, my dad was dying. And dad and I never had a talk about Jesus or salvation. After dad died, a month after he died, a woman from Campus Crusade for Christ came to my Lutheran church and shared with us these four spiritual laws and how to lead someone to faith in Christ. I had about 12 dreams where I would go into my dad's deathbed and before I could say, Jesus died for your sins, he'd always die on me. They were horrible dreams. Well, six years later after that, my sister Ruthann is dying at age 32 and I was not gonna have dreams about Ruthann. So I went into her hospital room, my brother was there, and I, I said, well, Ruthann, do you know your sins are forgiven? And because of Christ, do you know where you're gonna spend eternity? And, and she was a believer. She said, yes, Tommy, I know this. <laughs> but my brother and I are leaving the hospital room and my brother turns to me and he says, Tom, how can you bring that up at a time like this? <laughs> I'm thinking, when do you want me to bring it up? After she's dead? So then, Years after that, my mom is dying in the hospital. And I don't want to have dreams about mom either. And I, I had friends praying, please pray that we have some good time uninterrupted by nurses and doctors. I was able to have a good long talk, maybe about four of them with mom about salvation before she died. But my point is this, there's no more urgent thing on earth than people spending eternity in the right place. And you have to talk to people about Jesus. There was an atheist farmer who lived in this small town for many years. All of his neighbors went to church. He never went to church. 
a new neighbor moves in and goes and has coffee with the atheist farmer and immediately starts sharing his faith with the atheist. And the atheist said this, now this is a strange thing. There's not one of my neighbors who wouldn't run to tell me if one of my prize cows was on the railroad tracks, but you're the first person in 40 years to talk to me about my soul. It is urgent that we share the gospel. I recently talked with an atheist uh, for three hours. He did 85% of the talking, so I could barely get the gospel in. But I had in my pocket a, a salvation track, and I handed it to him. And, uh, you know, I, I encourage you to read this or whatever I said, because we have to get the gospel out. It's the most important message on earth. Next word, the angel says, women, go quickly and tell. The word tell means living it is not enough. St. Francis said, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. I don't like that saying, and you know what? St. Francis never said it. <laughs> it's attributed to him. There's no evidence he ever said it, because it's not a good thing. Of course you have to use words. I mean, some people think, well, I'm just going to be loving and kind. I'm going to so live the Christian faith that I don't need to tell anybody about it. I don't think so. I mean, maybe you're a better Christian than I am, but nobody has ever come up to me and said, Tom, you're so loving and wonderful. I can just tell by osmosis that Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. No, 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 you got to tell them. Let, let's say that you have, the, you have cancer. You're given the miracle cure for cancer. You take it and you're healed and you put it in your pocket. And then you go visit the hospital ward and you go from bed to bed and you're being very loving and you're plumping people's pillows but you're not telling them that you've got the cure in your pocket. No, no, no. It's not enough to be loving and kind and nice. You've got to open your mouth and tell. I, uh, <clears throat> I have a nephew by the name of Galen, and I've prayed for him for about 18 years. And then he comes up to, he lives in a different state, and he comes up to Minnesota for college. And I'm going to take him out for Chinese food. And I've been praying for him for 18 years, but because they live in a different state, I haven't really shared the gospel with him since he was a little boy. So I called some friends. I said, would you pray? Because I'm going to go talk to Galen and we're going to have him. So anyway, so we go out to dinner and I'm getting a little nervous, but I thought, let's do this. I've been praying for him. I can, I can ask. I said, Galen, where are you at with the Lord? Oh, you know, what do you believe about Jesus, etc.? And sadly, I think he was raised in a very liberal church because he says to me, well, Uncle Tom, I think there's a God. And that's as deep as it went. But I was able to share with him the whole gospel, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, gave him some Christian literature. I don't know what he did with it, but it's not enough to be nice and buy people Chinese food you also got to open your mouth and tell. Let me ask you a question. When is the last time you told another person about Jesus Christ? Or maybe a really sad question. Have you ever told anybody about the Lord Jesus Christ? I love this story. <laughs> Alexander Duff was a missionary to India. This happened many years ago. 
He comes back on furlough and he's preaching at a church in Scotland on the importance of world missions. In the middle of his sermon, he has a heart attack. They take him down from the pulpit, rush him into the back of the church, and finally he comes to, where am I? Well, you're, you're preaching in Scotland here. What was I? Uh, you were talking about the importance of world missions. Oh, yeah, yeah. Get me back in the pulpit. I have to finish my sermon. <laughs> and they said, you can't go in the pulpit. If you finish that sermon, it'll kill you. And he said, no, no, you don't understand. If I don't finish that sermon, it will kill me. <laughs> have you gotten to the point in your Christian walk where it kind of kills you not to be able to talk to people about Jesus? So far we've learned, go, every Christian is sent, quickly, our message is urgent, and tell. All right, next part, next question, what do we tell? Well, here's what the angel said, go quickly and tell the disciples that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. So what we tell people is, Jesus is risen. If you want someone to convert to Christ, you don't argue Adam and Eve, you don't argue evolution, you don't bring up Noah and the ark, you don't bring up Jonah and the fish, you go right to Christ died for your sins and he rose from the dead. That's what converts people. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 is reminding the Corinthians how they got saved. And he says, here's how you got saved. Remember, I came to your town and I preached of first importance that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose from the dead. That is what you preach. So if I'm on the airplane and I'm sitting next to somebody, I don't bring up evolution or Noah. <laughs> I say something like this. Well, you know, can I tell you uh, what was the most important thing in my life? I was raised in the church, but I think I had the misunderstanding that you get to heaven by being good. But we're not good. We're all sinners. And the Bible says that God loved us so much that he became a human being. His name was Jesus. He lived the perfect life we couldn't, so he could go to the cross and pay for our sins. He rose from the dead, and the Bible promises, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. That's what you share. If you want your loved ones to come to Christ, you talk about Christ's death for our sins and his resurrection from the dead. I'm going to do a funeral tomorrow. And what I'll probably tell them is this story about the resurrection. Here's a little girl who used to skip home from school every day through the graveyard. Did it every day. One day, an, an elderly man sees this and stops her and says, Little girl, this is a big graveyard. Aren't you afraid to come through this graveyard all by yourself? And she said, No, sir, because I know my home is right on the other side. And what I'll say at the funeral tomorrow is, You're going to go into that graveyard someday. It's a lot easier for you to go into that graveyard if you know Christ and that your home is right on the other side. What we tell people so they can be saved is we're all going to be raised from the dead just like Jesus was. Do you know him and where you're going to spend eternity? One last point. You probably know the story. The ladies go from the angel and they go tell the disciples, Jesus is risen from the dead. And the, did the disciples believe them? No. <laughs> so here's the last lesson. It's our job to tell it's God's job to convert. So, listen, if you share Christ with someone, they get mad at you, or they are not interested, uh, 
Well, that, all your job is to do, I love Campus Crusade for Christ's definition of witnessing, quote, successful witnessing is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. So when I shared the gospel with my nephew at the Chinese restaurant, I didn't buttonhole him. I didn't say you got to convert right now. I shared the gospel of how to be saved, gave him a pamphlet, and now only the Lord knows what he's doing with it. But um, our job is to share and God's job to convert. <clears throat> I'll say this too. I know someone whose lesbian niece uh, invited them to the wedding and they couldn't go because they don't believe in that. And they even wrote her a letter saying, you know, we love you, but we think this, a woman having sex with a woman, the Bible says that's a sin and we want you to go to heaven. And 1 Corinthians 6 says you'll go to hell if you don't repent from that. So we can't come to the wedding. They did it very lovingly, kindly. And wow, World War III erupted. There was just anger. And even though they were humble and loving, well, listen, it's not your job to convert. Our job is to lovingly, humbly share the gospel and then it's God's job to convert. Let's summarize all this. Go, every Christian is sent, quickly. Nobody can beat the Christian church for the urgency of the message. Go quickly and don't just live it, tell. Tell people about Christ. What do we tell? That Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. We do that and then we leave the results to God. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, I get nervous just thinking of sharing my faith with others. What should a person do if they have this problem? I have that problem. I think most Christians have the problem. You're going to talk to somebody about the most internally important thing on the planet, their eternal soul. So I think it's kind of normal to get nervous. So what I do, Jackie, is I pray, you know, before I get on an airplane and, Lord, give me the grace to, to say what I need to say. And sometimes it happens on the plane, sometimes it doesn't. I'm almost always nervous to bring it up but we bring it up anyway. So, so pray for, for, for strength. You know, I'm kind of afraid to talk with people about God because I think they might ask me questions that I don't know the yeah. answers to. Yeah, yeah. And that makes it even more and, scary. And, yeah, and I get people that say that, well, Pastor Brock, if I talk to someone about Christ, what do I do if they ask me a question? I just don't know the answer. Then you say the words, I don't know. <laughs> Nothing's wrong with that. I mean, you know, how can, how can a loving, good God allow Hitler? Is a, to which you can just say, I don't know. So I think it's quite fair, but don't let that keep you from opening your mouth. Yeah. Okay. I've heard about something about the Kennedy questions, yes. but I don't know what that is. Yeah. is that it was a big program way back when I learned evangelism. You would go visit people and you would ask them two questions. Question number one, if you die tonight, are you sure you'd go to okay. heaven? I didn't realize that's what they were called. That's, yeah, because Dr. James Kennedy, who is now dead, kind of invented this evangelism program. And then, and then if the person isn't sure, then you ask question number two, if you died tonight and stood before God and he said, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? And nine out of 10 people say, I've, I've been, been good. good. <laughs> and then you explain, no, you haven't. You're a sinner like I am. And it's only by faith in Christ that we will be saved. So that's called the Kennedy program. Yeah. Okay. 
they talk about the four spiritual mm-hmm. laws. Yeah. Can you explain where yes. they came from? Everybody, uh, way back, I think in the 1950s, Bill Bright wrote a little booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws. And it's basically, Christ died for your sins, rose from the dead, believe in him, you'll be saved. And um, this little pamphlet has been shared with more people around the planet than I think any pamphlet ever written. Tomorrow, Jackie, I'm doing a funeral, and I will have these at the door, and I will preach the gospel, and then I will say to everybody at the funeral, now if you're not sure where you're going to spend eternity, please take one of these home, make sure you're trusting Christ, and then get in church every Sunday. But I will... All of these are going to be gone, hopefully, tomorrow. And if you're a preacher, don't just preach the gospel. Put these at the door and say, now take this home. And uh, it was a thrill for me when I was at my mom's funeral to be able to get rid of 88 of these to my relatives. That's exciting. Yep. Yep. So at what age do most people become Christians? I mean, do you... I mean you get confirmed when you're like 14 mm-hmm. or something, but that doesn't necessarily... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> According to the studies, Jackie, <laughs> The great majority of people is that 85% become Christians under age 18, which is why children's ministries need to be huge in the life of your church. Uh, Think of it. If it's true that 85 to 90% of people become Christians before age 18, let's make sure we have a rip-roaring children's and youth program at our church. Are there any tools for sharing the gospel with children that you would recommend? You bet there are. There's a wonderful national program called Child Evangelism Fellowship. And they've they've got these great books uh, with these huge Bible pictures. And you explain the Bible story and then it brings Christ in on the cross and then the resurrection. So it's called Child Evangelism Fellowship. If you're a parent, go to the Christian bookstore and buy one of these children's Bible story books that has lots of pictures. Because Jackie, my mom had this Inga Meyers Bible story book with these wonderful pictures. I found one at a garage sale. And Tom, I have the same and book. There you go. And, <laughs> and I, when I think I, it came from my grandparents. And when I was a kid, I loved these Bible pictures. And now I've got it again. It's, so just buy a, buy a Bible story. They've even What I really like are the comic books. There's a whole book like this, but it's all comic books pictures of the Bible story. So I would do that too. Um, Here's another thing uh, about handing out Christian tracts. Here's one designed especially for children, how to get to heaven. And here's little Jimmy and Susie and they discover how to get to heaven. So I would, would, uh, there's lots of good stuff at the Christian bookstores. You know, Tom, you don't put kids in confirmation until they're like 12 to 14 years old. Mm -hmm. What about grandchildren who are like five and three? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you share the gospel, or do yeah. you, are they old enough to understand? Oh, they are. I would share, the, the, even if they don't understand at all, I would start sharing as early as you can. And I, there's a couple ways I'd do it. I'd, sh- I'd read this to your grandkids, and I'd get one of those Bible story comic books and just read story after story after story. I think that's the best way to evangelize kids. Okay. You said that Christ's death and resurrection are the core of the gospel. What other doctrines are central that we need to talk to people Mm -hmm. about? For me, the number one thing we talk about is what Paul says we talk about. The things of first importance, 1 Corinthians 15 are, Christ died for your sins, rose from the dead. After that, I think probably the third most important doctrine is 
that Christ is God, one God and three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So I'd put the Trinity right up there. I would talk about the second coming of Christ and his return and, and the resurrection from the dead. I'd talk about heaven and hell. Those are the basics, yeah. Okay, I guess since we've talked about the positive things we should be doing, what are some of the errors that Christians make when they're sharing the gospel? Yeah. I know I've probably mixed, messed up on a couple of times. Right, I'll tell you, the error is to major in the minors. I mean, Jackie, I've shared on this TV show before that I had a couple of atheist buddies that I grew up with and I would, we'd argue evolution and Adam and Eve all the time. Then somebody showed me how to share the four spiritual laws. And I went to Jeff and Dave and I said, if I can have five minutes with you, I'll never bring it up again. And they said, okay. <laughs> and I shared the gospel with them. David became a Christian that night. And then Jeff, I, he didn't, but he still has the book he told me years later. So uh, don't, don't spend time on the minor. I mean, Jackie, there are some churches that are so big that the King James Version is the only true Bible. Well, first of all, that's not true. And number two, don't make a big deal of that. Sadly, the Seventh-day Adventists make a huge deal. You gotta worship on Saturday rather than Sunday. Well, not only is that not true, New Testament Christians are never obligated to keep the Old Testament Saturday Sabbath, which was specifically given to the Jews. Not only isn't that true, it's a minor thing. The major thing, the death and resurrection of Christ, is what we preach. You know, one of the things that amazes me right now, though, is that there are so many different Bibles out yeah. there and children's yeah. Bibles yeah. and everything, you know, to get the right one mm -hmm. and to have the knowledge of what is the best mm -hmm. one. Well, I like the ESV Bible. ESV study, the English Standard Version Study Bible is my favorite. The New American Standard Bible is also very good, so. Okay, do you think Christians should go door to door like the Jehovah Witnesses and the Mormons? Yeah. You don't really see people from well, local that, churches. I have sometimes, at Hope Lutheran years ago we did. Uh, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons are not Christians, they're cults, but they go door to door. The good news is, Jackie, going door to door saves almost nobody. It's, a, it's probably the least successful way of evangelism. But do you know what the most successful way is? Personal relationships. You develop a personal relationship with someone, that's the way most people come to know Christ. Tom, we only have about 35 seconds okay. left, so do you want to close sure. today with telling people? Yep. Everybody, I want to encourage you, go to the Christian bookstore, buy a bunch of Christian tracts, keep them in your car, your billfold, your purse, and I've been doing this lately. Just see how many people you end up handing them to. I mean, just I encourage you to get some of these. We're out of time, but God bless you. Pray for our ministry if you would. The Lord nudges you to support us. We'd love that, and we'll see you again next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? you may do so at pastorstudy.org or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by The Pastor Study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the Pastor's Study, 
P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.